Welcome to Bridgewalker's Tea. Grab your tea, pull up a chair, and join us in these conversations around practical spirituality, systemic change, and solopreneurship. I'm Manasi Kakre, a practical spirituality mentor and speaker for Bridgewalkers. I'm Rose Pudzis, a storyteller and a professional talker. A Bridgewalker is an analytical, critical thinker fascinated by spirituality. According to human design, both of us are generators or alchemists with open throat center. What that means is that we love talking. And when we talk from a balanced place, our words, our expression, and our ideas bring learning and healing. We would love for you to join the conversation too. So don't hesitate to submit your comments or questions via the form. And uh, the link is in the description. So if you're having fun and you're enjoying this experience, please take some time to review us and subscribe. That will help us reach more Bridgewalkers. We hope that these candid, unfiltered conversations bring you new perspectives, spark an inspiration, and give you the confidence to shine in your own unique way of being called dharma in Sanskrit. Because it's through your dharma that you are going to contribute to building new social systems and structures rooted in love, equality for all souls, and equity for the marginalized. And that's what being a Bridgewalker is all about. Are you ready? Let's begin. Every time I hit record, after some time, because I'm recording this episode after a while, I get this anxiety. It's like oh, changes. And, so the, put- and I'm supposed to say, I'll, I'll take Rose's seat right now and go, hello, Monacy. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what she does. So people, yep. you know uh, from what you just heard that Rose isn't with us today. Rose couldn't make it. So who we have here is a very special bridge walker. She's my friend. She's my guide. Um, Her name is Marcia Bernstein. Her friends call her Marcy lovingly. So that's what you would see, hear me calling her. Uh, Welcome Marcy to the podcast. And I'm so excited that you are here today. You have so much wisdom to offer. So even before we get into our topic, because we are ready for it, <laughs> yep. use like informal introduction for our podcast listeners. So I met Marcy about two years ago and we instantly connected. We were on a meeting for like 25 minutes and we ended up talking for like 40 minutes. So Marcy also fits the description that Rose describes herself as, which is a professional talker because we all fit that description. (laughs) So Marcy is also that professional talker, but in addition, she has, she's a teacher, she's a guide, and now she is recognizing her identity as a publisher, meaning consolidating all this wisdom that she has accumulated through a ton of research that she does, through uh, open eyes, ears, through her experiential wisdom, through recognizing how seasons have changed in her life and how her perspectives have changed with age. So all compiling of all this information, along with variety of her passions, which include Ayurveda, which is Indian traditional Indian medicine, uh, real estate, investment and understanding the energy behind the property, behind the land, um, recognizing how to bring balance in your body through spiritual practices, recognizing systemic issues like racism, um, anti-Semitism, sexism, ageism, all of that. You give Marcy a systemic issue and she has something to say about it. So it is my pleasure today to bring to you one of my favorite friends and a teacher, guide, mentor, and um, publisher, Marcia Bernstein. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you, Manasi. I, 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 you know, I love hearing you introduce me in that way because there are moments, you know, when I would feel like, why am I all over the board? But these are the things that I'm interested in and that I love to talk about. And I sort of think maybe every bridge walker is a bit of a professional talker <laughs> because <laughs> we want to explain so much of what's going on and share it with the world. And that's my passion. Right. And if we, if we get a chance to speak, I guess, if we get appreciated and valued for who we are, then we turn into that talker 
where we then express whichever way we feel called to. But yeah. many times, many bridge walkers, they they get stuck in this idea that I need to fit in because who I am is not good enough and that's not accepted because that's what the world tells many of us. And that's when we shy away from expressing ourselves. So it takes a while. It takes a lot of healing, at least in my experience and some of my clients' experience, that it takes that healing to get to, I'm going to say whatever I want, whether the world listens or not. I think that 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 has really... I'll I'll say to our listeners, you know, I'm 65. And I think that has just, um, you know, come clear to me within the last, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I had so many disparate ways and successes while earning a living. But the nature of being a bridge walker is to kind of think you're supposed to fit into this box, you know, right? right? And then wonder what else there is in life. I mean, it's sort of like joining the spirituality and right? The regular practical approaches to life, the boxes that society gives us. So I would do, I mean, I was a, I was a mechanic for a while and that was a long time ago. So it was unusual to be a woman doing that. And right. And the real estate investor. And the real estate investor Yeah, and working with contractors. I've worked with men a lot at a time where as a woman, you weren't supposed to be doing those jobs. These things have changed a bit now. And I would question those jobs because of that. Now I'm like, I'm going to do anything I want. Right. And I feel good. These are the things I was successful at. Right. And it's so interesting that, okay. So for our listeners, I want to share for those of you who know human design, Marcy is a projector or in quantum human design, she will be called orchestrator. Yeah. Um, And she has one, three profiles. So she experiments (laughs) quite a bit and then investigates what worked, what didn't. And from those lessons, then we get the wisdom of that, experiential uh, for the of those experiences so that we then have, don't have to make the same mistakes that's the gift of one three people i'm also one three profile you are a one three profile so it's very clear in your experiences where you were a mechanic you were a graphic designer you worked mm-hmm. as you still do as a real estate investor and um ayurved like guiding people on their their body body mind spirit balance right so in all these experiences, I would love for you to share how did it feel to be a woman in majority man's world? Well, it's a very interesting experience, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if, you know, women, younger women in the, you know, that are, you know, around your age, Manasi, would say this today because I think the dynamic has shifted. But I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yes, it was difficult, but there was so much pride in being able to do that work. And what I found is there's a big difference between working in a man's world, so to speak, which obviously, you know, automotive is, especially in those days, you know, in the in the 70s and 80s when I was doing it. Um, And, and, you know, versus being. Um, in a world where the sexism is working against you. So you understand, like, I might have been the only woman running the dealership at the time. You know, I was actually management. But those men became my family, actually. So Mm -hmm. I have to say, while there was this sexism, um, mostly as you develop relationships with people, you know, that sexism shifts and they become more like your family, your brothers or, you know, whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I actually have to say that within the specific jobs on a daily basis, it was quite pleasurable. I could find my way. And I think that's also why when I went into real estate, I was, began doing the general contracting work and flipping houses. That was also all with men as well. So it was something that's quite natural, but it was empowering. And I think that gets left out a little bit. But again, things have shifted in today's world. We see that a little bit differently. And I did have my share, of course, of, you know, owners of places, you know, paying me a lot less than the man, male equivalent, et cetera, et cetera. But that's a larger systemic problem. This is so interesting that you bring this up because I am a trained engineer and I worked in high tech industry before. And honestly, I don't think I ever developed that brotherhood. <laughs> mm, <laughs> I, I didn't. I, I, it may be, I don't know. I don't know what it is that was different in our experiences, but I never really developed that. I always felt lonely. I always felt invisible. Um, 
undervalued. I, I felt that. Well, I can see that, Manasi. I mean, as I shifted, I started to work um, in the computer industry in Silicon Valley in 86. And, mm-hmm. and the majority, I mean, the majority, like every IT guy was mm-hmm. from India and an engineer. Right? <laughs> right. There were no women, right, in that role at mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. in, in, at, at Apple Computer in, in Silicon Valley, I believe, in general. Mm-hmm. And that was really disheartening to me, especially since I come from this background where I had done the creative work and then you know the mechanic work so i could kind of interface with these guys and yet again but but that was a really stratified kind of thing so it may in some ways be our age difference too but keep in mind that's a corporate situation versus individual small businesses which is my general experience working with men in fact sometimes my own business flipping houses and okay, I was the so manager. that's that's interesting that you differentiate between your individual experience and the corporate because that's kind of um, when we look at the systemic issues, they are at much bigger level, playing at a smaller I, level. So I, even when maybe there were like comments that you experienced from people that you're working with, but the experience overall was joyful. Absolutely, I think yeah. so because yeah. I developed yeah. relationships, yeah. right? And that's the way it should be. But That's I think the that there is corporate culture, and we see in today's age, you know, that there is plenty of problem in corporate culture, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I think that's where many people miss out on systemic issues because then they don't see the systemic issues for, because for them, they're in this microcosm that is working yeah. for them, and they're thinking that this individually, my experience is good, so there yeah. must not be any systemic issue, and especially yeah. Yeah. if you have privileges right? Then you are just going to be like, oh, well, how does that matter? We are so good with Marcy right here. We help yes. her every way that like, all of that, I, but they don't recognize that, oh, you're not getting paid as much as they do. And you know, Manasi, it's so funny because that one three in me, which I didn't understand before, you know, I would then sit down and explain to them, mm-hmm. don't make those dirty jokes, but you don't mind them, Marcy. Yes, but you shouldn't do them because Maybe there'll be a UPS delivery at that time and that other fellow will hear you and he'll think it's okay and we need to change that. I'm trying to get them on board and educate. Right, right. How did that go? Well, they would, you know, they would poo-poo me, it would infuriate me like crazy, you know, <laughs> and, and people do do that. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, we're starting to truly understand in this culture, at least a lot of the men that are close to me, that they're really making an effort to change that usage of common jokes during the day, you know, that are really objectifying women or anti-Semitic in my case, or, you know, I mean, whatever it is, jokes, right. You know, and even though they're meant lighthearted or we love to tease you, Marcy, you know, because it's fun. That's part of how we relate with you. I I have a good sense of humor, but we shouldn't, I really don't want it on the job site. Exactly. And I honestly don't even want it at the dinner table. Yeah, I just don't want not. them. Like yeah. those jokes are funny because they are stereotyping and because they are not recognizing that there are privileges and marginalization that comes right. with your identity. So yes. those are not the jokes that should be made. Now I yeah. understand. It's like if if say a professional comedian, there there could be like nuances in there, but um, in my family, I'm just like I don't want you to <laughs> to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think Joel is really, you know, understanding that beautifully these days and uh, the subtleties of it. Actually, I think, Manasi, you might agree. Sometimes the subtlety is what can be the most wounding. So, exactly. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And especially it depends on the day, too. Like some days you could be resilient and you could take it. And some other days you're just like, no, please, no, I don't want to deal with this anymore at, yeah, mm-hmm. at home or at work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I know, Marcy, in your your experience with your life, the life phase of life that you're at and what I was sharing yesterday, so for, uh, for sharing this morning, so this morning, so Marcy lives in Maine. I live in New Hampshire. We are so used to cold by now in winter. And then suddenly I wake up today and the weather is warm. It's It's like 60 degree Fahrenheit, which is like 20 degree or 20, not even 20, like 25 or so degree Celsius. And I was so excited for the change of the seasons. And it's not like winter is over yet, but just to experience that, I was so excited. And I felt like, first of all, I opened all the windows. 
I open all the windows, took in all the warm air. You're in your sunroom. I'm sitting in my sunroom after a long time because I'm like, I cannot waste this day like this sitting upstairs in my office. So I'm out here. But that made me think how much seasons really impact us, right? How much energy shifts between winter to spring or like summer to fall how much it shifts. And that made me think about even our body's rhythms or even phases in business and phases in life that we don't, we, in our modern society, we haven't really, we have gone away from honoring them as such. We have gone away from like creating the same type of environment, same type of schedule, same type of uh, work activities or same type of daily routine in all the seasons. Right. So that's something I wanted to chat with you, too, because you 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 are so in tune with your body's rhythms and with your life phases and with your with the external nature seasons. What do you have to say about this? I really have. I mean, I, I think I have, oh, well, I've always been a nature girl. I started riding horses when I was four years old, but put you on the back of a horse in the middle of the woods somewhere. You know, I always just loved being outdoors. Mm -hmm. So yes, I did the same thing. Oh my gosh, look at the weather, open the windows, right? It just, (laughs) this morning was just like, wow. So, um, but I'll do the same thing when I see a snowstorm in the fall, you know, Mm -hmm. I've got to go out in it. So nature has cycles and I was very aware of them early on. And it's one of the things I didn't like about living in California. I lived there for 16 years is that California doesn't experience as extreme seasons, which for me, I missed. I love yeah, the yeah. changes and the cycles. Which, but by they- the way, interestingly, oh, I saw a Facebook post this morning when I was browsing and one of my friends in San Francisco, she said it's 30 degree Fahrenheit there today. <laughs> and she's like, what? That That's below zero for in Celsius. And I'm it's like, how is this happening in San Francisco? I was in that in the Bay Area too. And it is it is a very different climate than down south, of course. And it is cold there actually, but not like, but the seasonal thing doesn't change that much. That, so you don't get this, you know, trees leave, lo- losing leaves and everything that we get affected by. Yeah. And I think that um, we, if we, so my experience, my personal experience, and then later in life, as I became interested in Ayurvedic medicine, mm-hmm. um, that, um, these cycles in life, if we pay attention to them mm-hmm. and we follow them, help us to optimize who we are, how we go through the world, and really help us to live to our potential. They are impacting us all the time. In the modern world, we've decided to ignore it so much. You know, I mean, yeah. like it's cold, but we put the heat on, or it's hot, we put the AC on. Yeah. And all that is good. But I actually am a proponent for letting my body get hot in the summer and letting my body get cold in the winter. To a certain extent, right? I mean, we are using the modern technology to make us feel comfortable. That doesn't mean that we have to freeze out in the, in, in the winter, but at least experience the cold, at least experience the sweating. Yes. And we've, and we've sort of redefined what comfort is. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that keeps us in sync. Even Monacy, as you would say, spiritually aligned, right? It, it, we get imbalanced if we don't deal a bit, you know, or become more cognizant and aware in my, I feel with the seasons. Yeah. And, and I think that's another thing too, that I automatically, if I experience, uh, if I allow my body to tune into the seasons, there are these seasons like in winter, I automatically become a lot more reflective. I automatically become like get into my cocoon. I don't feel like launching programs as much. That's why I was so happy when I didn't have to launch BVI this year or this, like this first half of the year. That's right. You just had more people sign up. You didn't have to go through a whole launch. Exactly. Yeah. So I had enough people when I started doing TikTok, it was like a complete shift and I already filled the program even before I launched it. So I was like, this is excellent. This is like how I should be launching in winter. Yeah. Right. And that brought in the new level of ease that I hadn't thought of. But fortunately, this happened in winter. So I was already in tune with how can I reduce my work even more than I already have. Mm-hmm. right? Because I want more time for reflection. I want more time for 
my my creative practice. So a creative practice could be something as simple as a coloring book one day, right? Or listening to music and dancing one day. Mm-hmm. And those are parts of my routine. So I want more time for that, more time to go inward because externally there is nothing in my mind, right? I come from India. My blood hasn't won. I know. <laughs> so externally, I'm thinking like everything is pretty quiet. It's pretty still. So I'm taking clues from that winter and the snow on the ground and there are no leaves around me. So I'm taking clues from it, wanting to go inward. But even there, I did not realize that there were times when I had pushed myself to launch because I thought that was the only way. And of course, at that time, if I needed to make that money, it felt like an only way because I hadn't healed myself enough to allow enough ease. Sometimes it was just the logical option because it, I hadn't developed enough following where my seats were going to be filled without me launching it, right? So part of it is, yes, we learn through life and we, as we progress, we have more opportunities available to us. But a big part of it is that even when I was in a position where I didn't have to launch, I almost felt guilty that I didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. There was a part of me that was denying that ease because even though I was going with those seasons where I was honoring my my inner calmness and I was honoring my desire to not work as much. And when it fulfilled. I still was feeling guilty that I was not doing what I was supposed to. And that programming, I think, gets in the way of us honoring our body, honoring our seasons. I think so. And so one of the natural byproducts of sort of paying more attention to the seasons, which really is not hard, mm-hmm. you know, honoring the seasons, as you say, is enough to get you in there. You don't have to, like, turn up all your heat all winter and get cold. Right. You know, right, right. You know, is that you start to understand how you relate to yourself better. You build in more resiliency by saying, well, you know, I should be launching the thing right now, but I don't really want to. Even you may still launch because right. listen, live in a modern world, you need to work. But yeah. recognizing that you feel differently about it now than you did six months ago helps you understand, oh, this is more of a reflective time for me. So I reflect more in the winter. I'll think about that a little bit on Saturday when I have time or something, whenever the time is off. Mm -hmm. And that creates more resiliency for when you come towards spring and the, you know, the weather is changing, but also your workload is changing. Everybody gets, I love winter because people leave me alone in the winter more. (laughs) I mean, in the spring, you know, and it begins in America with tax season and everything else. And I'm going crazy, right? So much has to happen over a summer cycle in Maine. Yeah. You know, it's a very busy city. You need the reflection of the downtime in the winter. Exactly. So I, think, I think that that is the advantage of yeah. paying attention to these seasons. They right. really do play. They do it to us anyway. You know, it's just that. And again, some things you may not be able to just go with. But I but I do like to recognize each morning, you mm-hmm. know, how yeah. things have changed. Just. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's what I do now, because now I see everything as energy. And I recognize Mm -hmm. what that really means. Like it's a manifestation in some form, physical form, but ultimately it's an energy. So the energy yesterday, when morning, when I woke up, when the day was gray and it was cloudy and it was cold, that energy is different than when I woke up today and it was still raining, but now the sun is out. It's a bright day. It's a warm day. And that feels, that energy feels different, right? So tuning in every morning to see and... Now I have come to a point where I also pay attention to the external weather and allow myself to feel a certain way with that weather. But there was a time when I didn't even know what I'm feeling or how weather is affecting me. I didn't even know that. And I mean, I hadn't tuned in enough to recognize my emotions in that way. So what I would simply do is just wake up and see what I feel like doing that day. And that also took some time to get there because earlier my logic would override everything. And I was like, it doesn't matter what you're feeling today. You have to go to work. And some days, yes, you have to. Or especially if you still have a job that you're working into that is nine to five type of job. Yes, you're going to have to. But I see that pattern repeated in solopreneurs in business where they feel compelled to these ideas of productivity. They feel compelled to these ideas of efficiency or having to work a certain way in order to create work wealth in order to create success. And I think there are other methods that are available to us if we explore enough. And if we come to a point where we recognize that some of it is programming, 
versus the need that we justify. The thing is that not each of us need to follow the exact same program anyway. Right, right. So what program, I mean, I think it's what I've learned, you know, you know, through my process is that some of that programming does make sense. You know, I mean, most people are working sort of a nine to five kind of thing, but hasn't it shifted tremendously with COVID anyway, yes, right? Yes. And most, right. Cause we're not commuting and ending up at work at 9am. And I always hated that anyway. I would try when I had to commute, I would try to commute either at eight or 10, you know, you try <laughs> to miss it, right, to adjust. But anyway, I, I think that the, the programming isn't, you know, what you can flex within that program that is set up is mm-hmm. a good thing. And I find for myself, I'm much more productive. So, you know, I mean, clearly if I'm making myself do something I don't want to do, I don't feel like getting up today and I don't know, you know, launching BBI or something, you know, if I get up, I go, oh, I'm so excited to launch BBI. The sun's out, you know, that's a better day to do it really. So as, as, as entrepreneurs, as solopreneurs, particularly, if we can do that, that's a gift to ourselves. And I think we're finally even really science is backing since your bridge walkers, the science has now very much shifted away from this thing we used to call multitasking. Yeah. Which, which from an Ayurvedic perspective made us all sick really right we're trying to do too much in too short a period of time paying attention to too many little things the brain doesn't function as well that way so we're beginning to to notice that so that was a program that we'd sort of all been sold to have us be much more productive at work yeah and this whole idea of productivity that itself needs to be changed because Mm -hmm. so on tiktok one of the things that i'm noticing in the comments is just how many people see their value in the work that they do or mm. the amount of work that they do or their productivity or efficiency or wh- however they have defined it mm-hmm. right and we see we are trained to see our value like that because i think our society systemically hasn't understood the uniqueness of each person to then understand that what makes you special, what makes you valuable is that uniqueness. That's a unique combination of energy. In Sanskrit, we call it dharma. We people, and, and that's why that is such a hard concept to get that my value is in who I am, right? I, I try to find different ways for my clients to recognize that. And that mm-hmm. really is one of the biggest hurdles I see, whether it's in BVI or it's in Playground or anybody like on a regular video that I'm talking Mm-hmm. It's it's this concept that we need to get that my value is in who I am. And how, how do we get that concept practically? How do we understand it so that we don't recognize, see our value in the productivity so that we actually make use of the flow by honoring who we are and then become even more productive than we ever imagined. So beautifully put, Manasi. I mean, you do that so well. So I really feel strongly about this. So I used to perceive myself as being incredibly self-indulgent when I would follow these different interests of mine. Now I see it as being my dharma. Right. Very different. Right. Very different. And yes, I would say I'm at a time in my life, and I say this to other people who are maybe a little older than you are, somewhere between you and I, you know, this is a beautiful time in life because there's all these other programs coming at me like you're supposed to stop working now. You know, right. You're, right. You're supposed to just go, I've had enough. I've had too much and I will need to stop. And, you know, all these things that I really don't feel. I feel like I'm just now really aligned with my dharma and sort of lighting up. I want to change the way I work. Right. But it's my choice now. Exactly. And again, that's another thing, too. That's where that ageism comes in. Right. That we have certain mm. expectations of how people at a certain age should behave. And that doesn't allow for any opportunity for your unique way to go. And that puts pressure on you on the younger age to reach certain milestones. So in both cases, it's hurting us. It's hurting us. And it keeps so many people, um, you know, who are around my age from sharing back with people who are younger. Exactly. Which I see as being like my particular thing. But I mean, not just with youth, but I just... I'm just at a point where I do want to share what I've learned. I think it is valuable and and I love doing that. So that exchange also gets stopped. And I think that happens also, um, you know, for younger people towards older people. I don't, as a younger person, I didn't understand the relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. or what the purpose of what we would talk about women and wisdom and so on, but we really didn't believe it in this culture. I don't think. Yeah, I I definitely think in this culture, at at least in the U S I haven't seen, 
uh, the wisdom of elders being used or supported or nurtured and accepted as much as, uh, say, in India, I have seen that quite yes. more, a, a lot yes. more where at a certain age, India has a different problem where it's like, just because I'm older than you, you need to listen to me. And that's another issue. That comes from like community oriented culture, which by the way, listeners, if you haven't uh, seen the epi- or heard the episode on individualist and community oriented culture, then please go check that out. It's a, it was a fun episode. I think it was episode seven, but don't take my word for it. We will include the link below in the description. But the point is, yeah, it's not as valued. And that's why elders aren't supported as they should be. And and, yeah. And And then I'm just turning this back around. This is the season of, this is what this season in my life is about. Right. I mean, and I, so I want to share that. You want to give, exactly. And the best part is, the best part is you have experimented enough where you know by now, at least in some area, what works and what doesn't. So mm-hmm. why would younger people, I don't understand this. Why would we not take that into account and avoid taking some path that may not be right for us? Mm-hmm. Right? So um, in, in my language, there is a saying in Marathi, mm-hmm. uh, Purchat's taste. Hold on. I cannot, I cannot shift my brain from English to Marathi. Let me let me calm down a little bit. Uh-huh. Purchat's taste. Oh my God. I'm I cannot say this. Purchas taste maksa shahana. Meaning when somebody else in front of you stumbles, the person uh-huh. behind you gets wise about it, gets clever about it. And, yeah. and avoids that stumbling block. Yes. Right? So that's what elders do for you is they teach you, okay, well, this isn't working. And elders who who have healed themselves. Let me be clear on this. Because every person ha- is on their own journey of healing. So it's not like just because somebody's older in age than, than you are, then you should always listen to them. It's also not just because somebody is older, they are wiser than you. That doesn't happen either. But somebody who is, say like Marcy, who has become wise, has become their, uh, has gone through their own healing journey, has so much to offer to youngsters. Well, I do I call myself youngster yet? <laughs> like, I don't know. These are like- I don't call you that. But that's, I just but call you friends. <laughs> younger than Marcy, let's just say. It, they have so much to offer to them and even to your peers. I mean, when we go through our healing journey, we have so much to offer to our peers. We have so much to offer even to our elders too, if we see what is their unique gift. But definitely with age, if somebody has gone through experience, that experiential wisdom is so valid. And that's something you cannot get without the experience. That's just how it is. Like you can do all kinds of research that you want, but the experience is a, a, a different teacher. And honestly, I think we're all doing this all through our lives anyway. It's not like it just hits you around retirement age. But what I did find for myself and what I generally see is that since Montessi, you and I discuss a lot about wounding and what that is and mm-hmm. how to move through that, and get mm-hmm. beyond it and so on and so forth and heal yourself, you know, <clears throat> um, we don't tend to share as much when we're wounded, you see, because we feel bad about those wounds. Right, right, it right. It will right. shut you down. Yeah. So part of me wants to say, you know, it's it's not that hard to see who will be a mentor or a sharer or however you want to look at that mm-hmm. in, a, in an older person because we're dying to share the information. When you feel, <laughs> you're like, where's the next person I can talk to too much? <laughs> right? See, that's why I that's love you, Marcy. <laughs> That's why I love you because you are always like so open to sharing your wisdom. I absolutely love it. And that's why that teacher guide publisher mentor role is so good for you. Mm. It's like you have so many of these variety of experiences, variety of ideas that the only way to channel it in one unique expression is actually be that publisher to consolidate all of knowledge together. Well, and Monacy, we should share that really that's something that I've just come to recently. Right. Because I was confused about, okay, I want to do something later in life. What is that going to be? And, and I've been in business. I've worked for myself now for decades, but you know, so 
I don't mind doing that or I don't have those sorts of things that issues. But I was like, well, how am I going to? And I finally just accepted it and went, no, you know, just I don't need to just I mean, I'm a house consultant. I love homes. You know, I'm happy to talk to people in all kinds of specific ways as well, Mm -hmm. you know help them figure out what their needs are, um, especially when it comes to houses and buying and investing and so on, or beekeeping or anything, right? But what am I going to do? I mean, what I said, well, I'm an information sharer. I'm sort of an information researcher manager. That's really what I am. Yes. And it falls under the categories of, you know, kind of guide, teacher, publisher. And right. yes, so it's going very well for me now. It feels much more comfortable. You know, it right. wasn't feeling quite comfortable before. And can we just also talk about that point that you brought up that that you are just coming to an understanding of defining it in a different way with a different lens? Because I see this in business and also in life, really, that there is so much pressure that we end up putting on ourselves because of societal expectations of what we should know when. So one of the things that really drove me nuts was what do I call myself in business and what is my ideal client? Because the whole coaching and healing industry talks about that, but how, so first of all, number one, there could be phases in your life where you will define yourself differently. And as we grow, we will know those words. But second, there is really no word. When you get your unique expression out, there is really no word to define yourself or there is no unique, no way to define your clients that easily. And the, mm-hmm. the way I teach in BVI now is when you put out your unique expression, your ideal clients just come to you. You, mm-hmm. it, The moment I sit down to declare, like put a definition around it, I realize, oh, well, this client doesn't fit that. That client doesn't fit that definition. Then I'd say, okay, maybe it's this. And then that client doesn't fit it. This client doesn't fit it. So all my clients are so varied but they are attracted to something that I'm saying. So it's energetic alignment between you and your clients. And it's your energetic alignment with who you are. I understand that sometimes we do have to put labels to make it easy for people. So I call myself practical spirituality mentor. You are going in the direction of publisher. Mm -hmm. But those are only like a beginning point. It's okay to change those descriptions. It's okay to not have those descriptions. And you can still do business. And, I, and honestly, I have to say, um, so how long have I really known you, Manasi, or known of you? Two you know, years, two I years. would think. Yeah. I think about two years. Yeah. So, and your messaging has not so much changed. It's blossomed. It's grown. It's right. But we've talked about this before. It's so succinct. So you embody it so beautifully now. And in a lot of ways, it's because you've allowed those changes right it's one thing's rolled into another and it's evolved it's evolution it is evolution and you're on fire because you know the you know you embody this so much and therefore um these clients are coming to you they see it in you they hear the what they need in what you're saying right. I, I do worry one of my one of my things about today I, I should say one of the positive things about today is I think that this as I went through graphic design which is the business of finding out how you get people to sort of in the case of product sale right how do I show them mm-hmm. you know right we using this image what they need you know it's a very very sort of buttoned down thing yeah, um, yeah. today's marketing world is very different you know <laughs> Very different. And that is a good thing, I think. We just really? Have yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Explain more because my mind instantly went into like, oh, that's a bad thing. Because well, I think it's quite overwhelming. I mean, we're all marketing ourselves, you know, by being on, you know, TikTok or wherever it is, you know, right. Instagram or whichever new thing it is, or, you know, and it's hard to know when you finally get brave enough or you heal your wounds enough to be able to get into a camera. Now, what am I saying? <laughs> you know, it's like, Right. And, and things come up right away. We talk about the wounds. Oh, I'm 65. I don't look good on camera. You know, I'm yeah. do this, I'm, you know, whatever it is. Right. But really, the things I find that I'm the most attracted to and I think that work the best are often energetically based. Right. 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 OK. I see the difference that you are making yeah. there. What you're saying is earlier, we were just thinking, how do I show this particular thing That's right. versus now? Because so much world has so much 
so many opportunities have opened up for coaching healing type of businesses where yeah. you are in your own energy and you are using that to convert it yeah. into a product that then becomes like a number one healing journey where you recognize your yes. wounds and recognize how do I need to heal in order to make this business successful, number one. And number two, you also, because we have those opportunities, it's much easier to then align with our energy if we so choose and then express it rather well, than trying to figure out how do I put a, a graphic around it or how, how do I put What's my logo going to convey about me? Uh, right, 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 right. Exactly. Exactly. And that is a good thing. And that I think, and yet I want to direct our listeners to the marketing podcast that we did, which was about mm -hmm. wounds of marketing, traumatic marketing yes. that happens because <clears throat> there are still coaches and healers, especially business coaches who are teaching us the same corporate principles to apply to solopreneurship where right now, just how you made a difference between them. Now it has to be based on energy, your own unique expression versus how do I fit a logo on my unique expression, which is so infinite and so vast. So it's, it's that itself makes that marketing not applicable to solopreneurship, which is where the lot of principles of marketing and sales come into picture right now and they hurt us. They wound us. They create more trauma. They make you feel like you aren't doing something right. They make you feel like you are not good enough. And right. so I want to add here, just punctuate exact. I couldn't agree more. And thank you. Again, you've put things in such a beautiful, easy to understand way. Um, I really want to punctuate that the reason why this feels, <clears throat> why that is wounding and why I'm not doing it feels much more comfortable is because after all, as individuals, I'm sure we can all agree, none of us are the same. Yeah, right? exactly. So, well, I mean, the idea that we would all be marketed to in the same fashion or that we need to look, you know, 42 on camera instead of 62 on camera or whatever it is, you know, is really, I mean, it's just not who we are. Right. It's not accurate. It's not factual. It's not true. It's just not how we function. Right, right. Yeah. And my biggest problem with that whole thing is that the same industry that is selling you all these products and goods around this wounded marketing is also selling you that, oh, follow your passions. Yes, Follow, yes, yes, be yes. the unique version of divinity that you are right so right. you want me to be unique and yet you want me to fit a formula of success yet you yes. want me to follow the same marketing tools that worked for you because you think that's the way to go so it's like it's such a contradictory cognitive dissonance really to yes that's exactly what it is cognitive dissonance exactly yeah, yeah. and then yeah. for for me honestly my journey has been i'm I am a trained marketer. I have my MBA specialization in marketing and international business. Yep. I fell prey to those strategies because when I was going through it, I was like, there must be something wrong about me or I'm not able to do something good well enough where I think uh, because the result was applying those strategies that wasn't working with my energy, even though I understood those are not the right strategies, but I fell compelled to use them because the rest of the solopreneurs seem like they are using it. And let me tell you, they are not. The ones who are successful are successful because they are they have converted their business to suit them. Yeah. Or they have some privileges in the system where the, it, that became a little easier for them. Yeah. Right. This is not to say that their hard work isn't considered. Like They obviously worked hard for it. But what I'm saying is we, we don't recognize, we don't talk about the journey enough and we only chase those milestones because we compare our raw and unedited reel to somebody else's perfectly made up edited version of the film. And then I mean, forget to look at the journey to then recognize this isn't going to work for me. I think, by the way, it makes sense that we do, look, reels might be a good way to put that, like a movie reel or something. You know, you tune into how it's supposed to be. That's not bad. You know, you understand what's out there in the world or you understand. But I think much like the seasons, it's, it's worth recognizing, oh, this is a program that I'm trying to learn about now. But the opportunity in that is take what you need. Mm -hmm. It might be different from Marcy than it is from Monacy. We might need different things to get on our particular journey. And I would like to remove that obligation from people, you know, because it creates all kinds of craziness too. Like, oh, if I follow this particular plan, you know, but, you know I'm going to earn, what are they saying these days? You know, six figures isn't enough, you know, six figures, figures isn't enough. <laughs> 
Marcy, you know? I mean, I heard the messaging around nine figures last year. I just oh, want to, you know, it's like, and most of us, yeah, it's crazy. Gets up and says, you know what? The reason I'm doing this is because I want nine figures and nine oh. figures is let's, if we just pause down nine figures is six figures is a million, seven, eight. That's like a 1 billion. Yeah. One it's just nine figures. It's just insanity, right? It's like when I used to watch the, um, and I'm not putting these people down, but you know, on when before the, I mean, the internet was around for a long time, but, but you know, our TV before we started to stream everything, right? right. So when TV was still just regular TV, hopefully most people remember that, you know, so you'd have, you know, so Saturday morning, you'd do three main stations. I mean, there were other ones, but you'd watch and I'd be folding laundry and there, and keep in mind, I was in the business of real estate investing and flipping homes, but it was before any of the HGTV home and garden networks and how to flip and, and nothing came. And you would see these people interrupt and these infomercials would come on TV and it was the real estate person who had been doing this work and had made six figures or whatever they were saying, usually he, right. It's not right, a woman right. at that time. And, but my brain would always go, so if you're making so much money and you want us to buy your program, right. <laughs> then why are you hawking the program instead of just doing the real estate? Right. And since <laughs> I knew how that industry worked, you know, That's... significant funds were made off of real estate investing. Right. So now, granted, this was the beginning of the curve that we now see so much of, you know, what programs can I come up to sell digitally online, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I'm right. just saying, you know, we do. And so it was always such a funky thing and you have to do it their way. You know, come to my, right. you know, right? right. that's somewhat true. It's good to understand those programs and right. then figure out maybe you don't want to do single family suburban homes. Maybe you right. want to do Victorians, you know, exactly. that might be your specialty. So uh, I want to add one caveat in there that there is, I, I completely understand the point that you made that if you're already making so much money in your real estate business, then why do you want to just come here and teach, right? Um, but I do want to say that there may be some real estate investors like you who are teachers who teach. that, yes. who we, who, that is their unique expression. So when you of do course. it just for extra money, it's, it's not fun. It's no. not going to be aligned with your energy. And it, but if that is, then by all means, you can leave real estate investing and be a teacher and you will just be happy. Well, and indeed, I think I'm turning into more of that person. Right. right you I are. Like you are. Right. About it. right. But what bothers me is this, and I don't know how to describe it, Monacy. I mean, it's this sort of, it feels, you know, fabricated message. Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's why I said, like, they are doing it just to earn extra bucks. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing all this real estate investing. Yeah. And if I just do this, that will be like scaling program that I can scale online. But I, and I've seen that in business world too, where it just and, feels authentic, inauthentic. And, inauthentic. inauthentic. And inauthentic. I feel like when you watch these things, I mean, I have to turn down the noise because when I see it, you know, why right. it's in the sidebar of Facebook, wherever right. it is, right? Right. You know, it's our scrolling through Instagram, just looking at the beautiful pictures. And suddenly it's like, follow my program. I'm just like, you know, because immediately you feel like, oh, yeah, where's the pencil? I better follow that program. You know, I'm, my program is not like that program. I, I might not make my six figures this year. This year right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and speaking of which, it okay, first you, of all, Manasi, it, uh, Marcy, when, I just called you Manasi. <laughs> Marcy, <laughs> we are reflections of each other, Marcy. <laughs> <laughs> so um no one thing i want to clarify for our listeners that it in this our conversation you are using the word program as a product oh, like yes. an information Sorry. product or a course or online offering i use this word before in our chat and when i use that word as programming what i meant was conditioning from the systems that's what so i just want to Thank clarify you. that that yes that, very different I, I, it's kind of too late to clarify that yeah. no <laughs> but hey it's good you it's good you point that out yeah yeah Definitely. hey you know that marcy isn't talking about wounds or anything marcy yeah. is talking about no but i can't but it can be wounding to listen to those it, it, it is exactly exactly yeah. it is definitely it can be wounding so mm-hmm. while so i know we are coming close to the end of our conversation this feels complete like what we are talking about <laughs> However, I want to talk about one thing because that messaging has come up now, like talking about six, seven, eight, nine figures. Uh And we are talking about seasons in life as well, right? Like honoring our energy and what we are feeling in the moment. 
I would love for us to just quickly talk that there could be seasons in also earning, right? And especially as a real estate investor, you know this all too well. I mean, I cannot express this enough and thank you, Manasi, for bringing it up. There are seasons to how you relate, I, you know, add to this, Manasi, <laughs> right? If I'm leaving I out I will too definitely much. add to it. Um, there are seasons in how you relate to your money, mm-hmm. right? And your successes. Mm-hmm. And all of that is important, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there are seasons... In, and those might happen within an economic season as COVID has affected us so greatly, right? In the United States, we may be going into a recession here, whatever, inflation causes that. There are that kind of seasons. There are seasons in life and how you feel about it. And it is interesting because we tend to, one thing I'm very conscious of is I will say sometimes, oh, well, you know, the, the, in terms of time frame. Right? Mm-hmm. The time frame shifts. Your relationship with your, and again, with, with the whole batch, everything that I've just described, is different in your 40s than it is in your 60s. Because in your 60s, you, while you still have no idea how much time you have left, mm-hmm. you still feel like, oh, I might not be able to recover. Maybe this recession will go on. So, you know, that does shift a bit. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, how you relate to that energetically also shifts. Right. And I, I frankly, I think needs to shift. I think right. there are a lot of people who end up near retirement, that retire standard retirement age around 65 or so going, oh, I mucked it up. And really it can be, no, you're just beginning. Right. Mm, right. And, and what I also want to add to that is the same thing can happen in your business too, where, yeah. Because we are taught this one idea to chase a certain income in our business, and that is what defines success. But if your energetic patterns are different, if your business is different, there could be chances that you make most of your money when you launch. Like that's Mm -hmm. my model, right? Yes, I do earn through speeches as well. So throughout the year I earn, but when I launch BVI, that's when I get major bulk of my money, Mm -hmm. right? And then it doesn't, I, I, so I have been fortunate where I do have consistent income month to month where I recognize that, oh, that's the consistency. But there was a time when I didn't have BVI and I was only going for consistency mm-hmm. and that consistency in your business may not be possible. So it's, that doesn't mean that you aren't earning like 10 K months every time, but if majority of my income is coming in the one month, then over the year, are you having a certain type of income that's worth looking into? And say somebody like you, you Marcy, when you were in real estate investing, then your income would come, majority of the income would come like one year. And then maybe for the next two, three years, you wouldn't have any income. Absolutely. Right? I would have no income while I was working on the thing I was going to sell. It might take right. a year, right. it might take six months, it might take uh, big projects, you know, took right. five years. I mean, it's exactly. long time. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that you are not successful because in that two years, you aren't earning anything really or in those three years. And the same goes with also in early part of your business, when you're actually building the foundation, when you're actually understanding what are the blocks that are getting in my way of actually doing the business that I want to do. So the healing is involved in that first phases. So the definition of successful business is not just money. And no. we need, and it's not also like you may be sold like, oh, are you getting 10K months? You may not be. You may be getting like 30K one month and then it drops down to like, I don't know, 2K. And then it comes to like, I don't know, 40K next launch. So whatever that happens, it's okay to have those cycles in business if if that is aligned with your energy. Now, somebody may design a product that is in such a way that works with their energy in such a way that they keep getting consistent monthly income. And that's when then, yes, they can check that, oh, is my my income increasing quarter after quarter or is it like month after month? And then they can look into consistency as a factor of success. But what Mm -hmm. I'm saying here is when you understand your own energy and honor it and bring it in business, consistency can look very different than what it is defined in the coaching world. 
I couldn't agree more. And I think there is a natural ebb and flow that feels almost seasonal. And businesses have seasons, you know, growth seasons. And I mean, travel industries, whole industries have that. Right. 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 You know, and and that should be, you know, recognized. And so, yes. And we and again, we only harm ourselves when we say, oh, gosh, this month I have only made, you know, five thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars or two thousand, you know, however. Right. Right. It just it it isn't particularly hard. It's too hard. You know, right. it is. But yeah. but that's something I remember thinking like, oh, I so I make whatever 30K in one month and mm-hmm. then it goes down and I don't make 30K again like until like four months later or three right. months later. And I remember thinking that that's not right. Like that 30K should turn into then 40K and then 50K and then 100K. And that's how I should always be growing. And my husband had to give me the reality check there. He's like, what is your criteria of measurement of success? Because mm. if that's the type of success you want, you need to create like evergreen products, but your yeah. product isn't that. So then if you are measuring your success of a launched product on an evergreen model, mm-hmm. there is a problem. Like you are not yeah. measuring the success in the right way. And this, in this, in my case, it wasn't even the definition of success. It was just the definition of revenue. Right. So because in my case, success did not include as much money. I needed Mm. ease in my business because my earlier story was I had money, but did not have ease, did not have alignment with who I am. So for me, success looks like me being completely in alignment with who I am and making money with ease, no matter how small or how big money that is. So for me, money is not as big a part of the success, but for me to release that idea, that itself has taken healing. Because mm-hmm. I was seeing my value in money and not in who I am. So then the idea had to be released first in order to actually make more money. Mm-hmm. Right. So well, these is- are the ways we tie in. We allow ourselves in some ways to become wounded. It was very much that way for me. I felt so bad because I wouldn't earn money during those years while I was working yeah. and preparing uh, a building or a home or, you know, miss someone's home. I mean, I would miss some of the joy because I would feel so bad about that. Can you imagine? Right. 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 And that's exactly what happens. We lose when we chase an outcome so much because somebody else is telling us to do that. And we are bought into that idea ourselves through the wounding. Then we lose all the joy that the journey brings us. Yes. And especially like one, three profiles like you and me, Marcy, the joy of the journey is just as important expression for us. And is just an important of an experience that we can even get in our mistakes Mm -hmm. when we recognize, oh, that was a mistake, but so good. I figured it out. Right. Mm -hmm. That joy is just as important for us to experience and express as the joy of the ultimate outcome, when we finally, it clicks, we figured it out and then yeah. something starts working. Yeah. Right. So, but this is this. So point, uh, let's conclude our conversation here by saying and telling to our listeners that basically what we are sharing here is our experiences around how there were times when we didn't honor the seasons of our life, our business or external seasons and our internal energy. Mm-hmm. And how allowing it, honoring those seasons has really helped us in creating more abundance, experiencing more joy, experiencing more ease, experiencing more love, all of those good things that feel desirable, how it has helped us. So if you're listening and you don't take anything from this, I would love for you to simply take this home. Give yourself permission to work with your energy. Give yourself permission to work with your inner alignment and Take inspired actions when they feel right. Don't force yourself to act when it just doesn't feel right. And that's a good way of uh, leaving our listeners, I think. I think so. I want to say one more thing, which is I feel that feeling right, as you say, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's where you get more inspired. That's where the joy is. That's when you know you're getting in touch with your own dharma. Exactly. Exactly. That's when you know that you're in alignment with that dharma, meaning your unique way of being. And that alignment is what is going to create what you really want in life and business with ease. Mm -hmm. So you want to align with that. And here's the thing. If you want to learn how to do that, how to work with your unique way of being that is 
taught to us by ancient Indian system of seven chakra, then come to me, apply to my one-on-one mentorship or uh, apply to Bridgewalkers Playground, which is a group, small group mentorship program that I have. So whichever way you want to work with me, I invite you to check that out because life and business is going to be a lot more easier when you figure out what your natural rhythms are, what your natural way of being is, and then build the business accordingly. Okay. So we will include the links below, apply to work with me. I invite you to do that. It will be a lot of fun. Thank you, Manasi. Such fun today. So much fun. Thanks for being with us, Marcy. And thanks for bringing all your wisdom to Bridgewater's team. Always happy to, you know me. (laughs) Thank you for (laughs) the invitation. Yeah. Bye, everybody.